Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. I'm Rich Yellow alongside Will Porter here as we are ready to rock and roll. Tuesday has come, and it is now time for an all-new Southern Sports Central for two solid hours. As we've made some adjustments, we've brought you an afternoon show, and, of course, uh, we've got an entire solid two hours to bring you as, of course, LSU was uh, victorious last night against the Clemson Tigers. Uh, we're going to break down the scores. We're going to break down the stats. We'll break down the first through the fourth quarter, some ups, some downs, some all-arounds. And uh, during that time, we'll take some calls from you here throughout the uh, show today. As Of course, the number to call in is 323-784-9681. Uh, a great game overall. I, I thought the first two, three quarters uh, very good uh, from my point of view. I'm going to bring Will here uh, in just a few minutes and uh, get some conversation from him. And, and I guess the one thing for me is, is that I didn't have a dog in the fight. I got a chance to be a fan and, and really just kind of watch two teams battle it out. It was, of course, um, many headlines that, uh, that made it through uh, the conversation. If you woke up this morning and you were sitting there in, uh, in Louisiana, then, of course, uh, you, you were able to get a ton of different articles that came through newspaper stands to news general. And for me – uh, the one thing that I thought was um, kind of catchy phrasey because both of these guys are Tigers. Both of them have their stadiums known as Death Valley. Uh, the headline, of course, over there in one of the articles was Hold That Title instead of Hold That Tiger. And, of course, uh, the top cats, LSU claims the national championship with a 42-25 win over Clemson. Uh, we'll get into some of the scores. Uh, again, uh, we did a pick em last night, yesterday afternoon, and we get some scores. A couple of guys uh, pretty close. Will, of course, uh, had it 35-30. Uh, that's, that's pretty close there. Of course, I had it uh, last night sitting there around um, 35-24. So I was pretty close as well uh, in, in my prediction. So we'll get into some of that uh, throughout today's show. But, it, again, it's going to be a good, solid show. We may get into hour number two where we talk NFL as the, uh, the playoffs are now amongst us here. That will be the next conversation. And going forward, a lot of what we talk about uh, as uh, we get into uh, a different segment, a different season, if you will, here of college football, as uh, it will now be National Signing Day coming up in February. We'll get into that. Uh, that gets a little bit closer. But without further ado, I'm going to bring in Will Porter here, who, of course, uh, puts a show together on Saturdays from 8 to 10, but hangs out with me Monday to Friday to answer the phones, to push the buttons, and to uh, get some dialogue. But you kind of stayed here with me in the studio and watched, uh, what, the first quarter, I believe? I think it was the first quarter, yes. Good stuff there. I, I thought you guys started off great. I thought Clemson looked fast. Uh, they did the one thing that I think they needed to do to win the game, and that was put LSU's back against the wall, give them poor position, and they did it time after time after time. And the special teams of the situation there kind of helped that out a little bit, and that got the momentum for the offense. Yeah, and it, and it definitely did for, for the most part, especially in the first half there, the, the special teams and what uh, uh, B.T. Potter is able to do with his foot. Uh, pinning it very deep in the end zone, I think twice, uh, twice 
times in a row that it was uh, within, in between uh, 10 yards and their own end zone. And so, uh, the, and then the question was, you know, how effective can Clemson's offense be able to uh, produce? And they, they certainly showed some signs and some promise and uh, putting in the ball in ETN's hands. And also uh, the, uh, the receivers just showing talent across the board. But then uh, LSU kicked it up a notch. And I tell you, uh, this game was going to come down to um, – the, the biggest thing that this game was going to come down to was adjustments. And who's going to make the right adjustments. And it seemed going into half uh, – or coming out of the half that, that Clemson seemed to get adjustment. They, they, uh, stay, they stopped LSU and were able to get on the uh, and it and it showed and it was all LSU from there, just putting putting the throat on Clemson, uh, put yeah putting their uh, foot on the throats of Clemson and just uh, in continuing to drive down the field uh, in their time that that even and, and just immense talent across the board LSU has uh, that had in that game uh, all of those guys I think are well deserving of first and second round um, the picks in the draft uh, whenever the time is uh, is in the NFL draft, but um, in props off the Joe Burrow for this, uh, just closing out this uh, stellar season of go from uh, this this guy who quite frankly at the beginning of the season to uh, rising through the ranks and you coming out being the number one team and for good reason. And they certainly showed that last night. He wins the Heisman and uh, both he's had all all along is an international change. And he is given, you know, talking about Heisman, that, that, that was his goal. His goal was to win the whole thing, win that championship. And Heisman to him was just a of his. Yeah, you know, for him, if you heard it at the end of the game, he talked a lot about what his brothers and his father short in winning a, a team title, a national title, if you yeah. will. But different organized sports where they fell just short. Even he mentioned in high school, championship game, and this was something that he had eyeballed for a long time, and this was the first trophy he was able to bring into the borough house, not, of course, uh, on the campus where he lives at or off the campus, wherever it is there in Louisiana, but back home in the state of Ohio, and again, when you look at what he was able to do, he won for 39, 463 yards in the air, that's five touchdowns, throwing and one running, and, and to me, and we're going to get into this a little bit more here after uh, the break, but for me, the, the thing that broke kind of the, the stride of Clemson's defense, which I thought, oh, my, but it was when Burrow's legs started to become a factor. I mean, he jumped out of many tackles. Hef stepped out of one, high stepped out of two, ran around, got 15 yards, needed 13. Those were the difference makers. It wasn't his arm. His arm, you know, they had kind of pinned out what they needed to do. They double covered high single coverage over here. They put the right guys on the right side. They just couldn't get anything going at first. And, and I think that kind of shell-shocked the entire team. And then number 73 for LSU on the offensive line, man, this guy was just burning them right and left, missing tackles, running down the field, ineligible receiver down there, and that was him. He was just not getting things done, making, I would say, undisciplined moves. on the that would get them from a first down to now it's going to be second and long, third and long because of not being in the right place at the right time. But even – Trick plays that you saw Clemson do in the first two quarters I thought was really small and I thought really good for two solid quarters. Trickery not as good there in the third or fourth quarter. LSU just did what they do, and that is they stepped up. I just think they have more talent on their team, and you saw that speed-wise. You saw not one, not two, but 
three steps there. They had multiple guys. Uh, Moss was, was a guy you don't know a lot about, but he, he, he is a tight end, by the way. Right. But, and then you also count those other three receivers. Just their their entire core right. is stellar. And what they were able to do against the Clemson defense, uh, you know, was ranked first in the country uh, for, for a reason. Uh, that that was obviously not the case last night. The best defense on the field was the other Tigers, the ba- the Bayou Bengals, the LSU yeah. Tigers. Yeah, you're right. And on the other side, you got to give your hats off to Clemson. They finished 14 and one on the season, winning nine games in a row. That's huge. 742 days of not losing a football game. That that's got to say something. And if you're a part of that senior class, listen, 55 games you've won and two national championships he made four years in a row of playing a national championship. Man, that, it doesn't get any better than that. And, and to me, you know, yeah, I, I just won a good game, and for the most part, for three quarters, I got that. That's the unanswered points that LSU put on the board. And I think that's what defensively Brent Venerables is a hungry guy. This is going to eat him alive until the kick next year when these get back after it. But uh, it looks like a Brent Venerable defense going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, running back for LSU was running over his guys, stiff arming his guys, doing things. And again, I said this yesterday on the show: it is I'm back receivers to do things, but they're going to have to get this young running back. What if he's five foot eight? He's lucky. Uh, let's head. To, uh, let's do this, and uh, we'll come back. We'll take calls. We do have seven o'clock. Everett German, he's the voice of the College of Charleston Cougars basketball, but he also does a show here locally in Charleston for the Clemson Tigers. He's a Man, he's a huge loyal guy to the Tigers, but he does a lot of stuff on off the air, and I want to get him in here with us at the top of the hour. But so until then, call in. Matt's Burgers Hotline's number is 323-784-9681. We'll be right back. You're listening to Southern Sports Center right here on Blog Talk Radio.
Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich. I'm here alongside on the Southern Sports Central edition of the evening. As we uh, change gears a little bit here, heading into the next six months, we'll come at you live right here on Blog Talk Radio from 6 to 8 in the evenings. And that is to get the viewers, the listeners, if you will, I guess so to say, uh, all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast. Because as like we said yesterday, while we're 6 to 8 on the East Coast, that means we're 3 to 5 on the West Coast. And that's primetime real estate uh, over there hanging out with you guys sitting on the interstates over there in uh, L.A. And, 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 of course, uh, that side of the, the world over there with some of my family is, uh, is hanging out as we speak. Now, that being said, uh, what a game it was. Joe Burrow, I thought, looked great last night. Uh, didn't look good at first, though. And, and, again, this, to me, showed his most character of all because it wasn't going his way. He wasn't hitting receivers like he needed to. They had to get a little tricky uh, at times. They were doing some three and outs. They weren't getting the ball down the field very much. And when they did, like I said, they made a lot of uh, just mistakes, if you will, there. And, and to me, that kind of was the difference in, in a lot of ways here. But what needed to happen, but what needed to happen was that he had to step up and, and get some things kind of together. Now, the one thing it did do is it gave another win for the SEC in the bowl season. They actually lead uh, the overall statistics. And, and of course, uh, the bowl championship, SEC finishes 80% with victories there, 8-2. and two. Of course, uh, you look what they were able to do. The Big Ten went four and five. The Pac-12 went four and three. The ACC losing this one. Now they fall to four and seven. The Big 12 is at one and five. That's a big deal to me. It's kind of shocking that, that the Big 12 only won one game, 17% uh, getting out of that course. Uh, Conference USA went three and five. The MAC went three and four. Uh, the Big Ten, again, four and five there. Uh, but when you put things in perspective, and we talk about it because this SEC versus ACC game last night, and of course uh, those here in the Southeast will push and promote that, even though I get Clemson doesn't really like to yell a little bit of that ACC, and why would you? You know, I think I get that. But uh, for the SEC, even last night, Coach O even mentioned that. He said this is a big win for the state of Louisiana. This is a big win for, uh, for everybody involved. This is a big win for the SEC. We do have a caller online right now. So let's go to the uh, top of the afternoon. Who's with us? Richie, it's Matt Sims calling from Titletown, USA. <laughs> I knew it. Man, did you also have a championship night. Matt Sims, of course, uh, from Crescent City uh, Sports over there. These guys do a great job. Matt, of course, is, uh, is one of the guys also. We, we, we like to come as well, so he's with Southern Sports Central. And, uh, man, oh, man, are you, you guys been to sleep yet? I did get the articles that you sent me uh, this morning uh, off the front pages there, but uh, I'm going to give you a Break it down, man. What happened, uh, the good, bad, the ugly, and sad? Well, I'll tell you this much. I, I had to get up this morning to drive into work because, um, I mean, I, I live in New Orleans and uh, work in Baton Rouge. And so I got up at 530 on a very limited amount of sleep and turned on the news as I was getting dressed. And they were doing a live shot on a local NBC affiliate. 5.30 in the morning, a live shot of uh, Chapatula Street there in the warehouse district of New Orleans, and it was packed thousands of fans still partying in the street, and they were reporting how the NOPD and the sheriff's department had to close the road because there were so many people out partying. The roads couldn't be navigated by car, and they didn't want anybody to get injured and that they said that there were so many people who had come out into the party that they had to go out and uh, they had to go into the bars and the establishments there and 
make them turn off the music, make the band stop playing so that they could try to get some of the crowds to disperse because there were just too many people out there and not enough uh, emergency personnel to ensure everybody's safety. So that was just in the warehouse district. Um, you can just imagine how packed it was a little bit further upriver in the quarter. So um, the party has not stopped. Um, it, uh, it has been it has been everything you thought the celebration would be and so much more down here in this neck of the woods. Live right now with Matt. Of course, Matt covered uh, the national championship there game. Uh, of course, uh, sitting right there in, uh, well, the national championship LSU Tigers. He is, of course, also with prep sports writer for the uh, Crescent City Press Book Reporter for Prep Football Report over there on Nash 106.1 FM uh, over there in uh, the great state of Louisiana. And uh, what was kind of the biggest surprise out of last night? Four quarters of football came and went. What surprised you the most when it was all said and done last night after you got the whip? Well, uh, I don't. I really don't know if I thought LSU would compile 600 yards of offense on Clemson. I thought that Clemson's defense would would give them their stiffest test of the year, and in certain cases they did. Um, I think the level of confusion that they provided to LSU to start both the first and second halves, um, I was a little bit surprising. You knew you were going to get some new looks, and the example is uh, – uh, I mean, he's a, a top-notch defensive coordinator and, um, and wants to just be a defensive coordinator for a reason because he's really good at it. So you knew he was going to get some looks. Um, the three-one-seven that they came out in defensively was a little bit of a surprise because that just leaves the middle of the field wide open. Uh, so I was surprised that they were uh, willing to give that up. But then I was a little bit more surprised that LSU wasn't taking advantage of the three-man front. I mean, you got three men there. And, I mean, just begging you to run it. And I, I was surprised that it took LSU as long as they did to get some run style at the end of there. Um, I also thought that LSU's offensive scheme uh, helped benefit Clemson's pass rush and contributed to Clemson getting five sacks on Burrow. when LSU would run the bunch formation. I think you saw me tweet it out. I called it the hashtag the Brady Bunch because Joe Brady – uh, was the one calling the scheme. Every time they ran that bunch formation, it allowed Clemson to bring eight men in the box, and you saw it. They just had them dancing around like, like they were in a, a ballroom just waiting to see who was going to um, – uh, the way they were dancing around to see who was going to blitz, and that really confused the LSU offensive line. And I felt like LSU's offensive coordinators weren't doing their own line any favors with that. But all that being said, you know, once they went to the spread formation – once they uh, weren't, once they didn't have to start inside their own five-yard line, take possession inside their own five with the ball, and were able to operate with some field, you got to see the speed and athleticism of the LSU defense, uh, which everybody's seen all year long, and you got to see how eventually it was just too much for uh, for the Clemson defense to contain and try to contain for 60 minutes. So uh, that part. Uh, I would say that really surprised me. And then um, I was surprised that Trevor Lawrence uh, was uh, was his office as much as he was. Um, I knew that the LSU's defensive secondary were some stout guys, and I told you that on previous shows. But, uh, I mean, Lawrence actually looked like he got a little bit rattled there. 
Uh, I don't know if he felt the pressure, but he had to single-handedly maybe try to keep pace with Burrow in the offense or what. But, you know, he just had some throws there that were just off the mark a little bit. And uh, I mean, it obviously made a big difference there. Um, this Clemson only scored eight points in the entire second half. So, so I, those are my first impressions there to ask you what surprised me on both sides of the ball. And hanging out there in the stadium with the winners uh, and the losers of the night here. Of course, uh, LSU comes out with a big time victory. Uh, and for some, they saw it coming. You, me, and a handful of guys that came on the show uh, picked out LSU. But I tell you what, for me, you know, Matt, I, I watched a very good Clemson team defensively. You know, they kind of caught, I think, uh, LSU, and, and Will and I talked about this off the air a little bit too. And, and I think they caught them sleeping, maybe not sleeping, but definitely on their heels a little bit more. And it's like I told him. I said, it's like when you're home, you're a little more comfortable than you are on the road. Well, for this team, of course, uh, this was kind of like a home game for them. All of a it started picking up. But for me, to watch the – I know we what Burrow can do in the air, but to me, when he started jumping out of tackles, jumping out of sacks, and really getting 12 or 17 when he needed 14, that was kind of the – and what we saw and kind of took that momentum away from Clemson. And then you started to see him starting to hit receivers a little bit. And then all of a sudden, here comes this little running back. He ain't the biggest cat in the cupboard, but he definitely stiff-armed with the best of them. And he started taking control. Talk a little bit about that running game that I don't think Clemson may not have thought about in the last night's game that I thought played a major role in getting LSU back into this game. Well, I, I'm sure Clemson was aware of it. I think that they may have very well, like many other teams, maybe they underestimated just how good how, how good they are at running the football. Um, you know, by halftime, the thing that was killing Clemson more than anything was Joe Burrow's legs. It wasn't his arm. It was his legs because he was able to scramble out, uh, whether it was a dialed run or whether Burrow just was scrambling on his own. And, uh, you know, his ability to step up in the pocket and then take off and get some yards is what uh, is what makes him so lethal as a runner. And teams underestimate that. They think, oh, you know, as long as we run containment here, we've got him. Um, and Clemson was certainly getting their sacks on him. Uh, and you have to credit the defense there for showing up and and really playing their tails off and doing that. But when they would when they would not bring the blitz uh, and they were going to the four man front, you know they'd pinch hard on the edge. LSU began. LSU knew Simmons was the best player on the team, def- best player on the field defensively. And you know if he came off the edge and it forced Burrow to step up in the pocket, I mean Burrow he has the vision to see where the lanes are and he was able to scramble. And, um, you know, that the run that he made on right before half where he got it all the way down to the six-yard line, I mean, that, that's the type of run that has killed team after team uh, that's come up against Burrow this season. And then Clyde Edwards, he layer, you know, he's he's a very short guy, you know, five foot, uh, like five foot seven, five foot eight. I watched him in high school. He's just a little scrambler. Teams don't think that he has the ability to run over you. And the thing is, is that when he hits you, he just keeps his legs driving so hard that even though he may not just run you over on impact like Bo Jackson would have, his feet are churning so hard that when he hits you, he's just eventually just going to keep grinding and run over you that way. And he does not run out of bounds. He is going to run downhill. And so teams see him and they think his instinct is going to be to go out of bounds, and it's not. That's the absolute last thing he's going to do. 
and it just catches teams by surprise because no matter how much you see it on tape, when you see him in person, you you think, oh, I've got him. I can take him. And that's where the mistakes happen. And that's what you saw happen with Elayer there down the stretch. And, you know, I, I really didn't think LSU utilized his running skills enough. But, you know, who am I to criticize them? I mean, they won the game that went up by 17. They might have been able to win it by more scores if Jamar Chase doesn't drop that touchdown that Burrow dropped perfectly uh, into his arms there at the very start of the fourth quarter. Uh, but, uh, you know, LSU's running game has been superb all year long, and they have been able to get away with it and have success with it because so many teams key on and are scared of their passing ability. And, uh, you know, it just it's what just has made them so multidimensional and unstoppable all season long. Live right now with Matt Sims. Of course, uh, Matt was there on the uh, on the grounds, if you will, boots on the ground for Southern Sports Central, and he covered it for a couple other individuals as well, of course, there in the national championship game. Here's some history for you. LSU football is the only team in FBS history to have a 5,000-yard passer, a 1,000-yard rusher, and two 1,500-yard receivers in the same season. Of course, Joe Burrow ends the season with 5,671 yards. Clyde Edwards. Hilaire, as you mentioned, 14-14. That was his rushing yards on the season. Jamar Chase, 1780. And Justin Jefferson, 1540 on the reception yards. Now, here's a couple questions. Number one, I got to ask you the weird question. Uh, Adele Beckham last night shows up at the game, and uh, I want to hear your thoughts of this because you're an LSU guy. You cover the LSU Tigers. My man was throwing out some uh, – he was throwing out some paper last night, and it wasn't graffiti uh, or any of that celebration. Well, it was celebration paper. But uh, your thoughts on that, and, and, and how does this go, man? How does this work itself out? Well, first, he's, he's a very proud LSU alum, and, and they've already reported and talked about it, and LSU officials have already said it was fake money that he was handing out. He wasn't handing out real cash. And even if he was handing out real cash, I mean, he could hand it out there just for show and then give it back. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, even if the player – had possession of it for the moment just for the sake of showing that these kids are getting themselves paid down the road. Uh, there was no violation that took place there, and ultimately that's what it was. He was handing out the money to uh, Justin Jefferson because he was telling him that he was telling this kid that he, he's getting himself paid, and this this season absolutely is getting Justin Jefferson paid. Before this season, he wasn't he wasn't on anybody's radar for a high draft pick, and now. Uh, I, I'm certain he's going to go pro after the season because he he won't duplicate these numbers next year without somebody like Burrow throwing for him. Um, so he you know he's going to be a high draft pick now and going to get himself paid. So you know when I first heard it, it just made me shake my head. It was like if anybody's going to do that, it's going to be Odell Beckham Jr. But <laughs> yeah. I, as crazy as he is. From that regard, he loves LSU, and he respects the university to do something to be that blatant uh, to just go right. out and start handing out hundreds on the field, of the, you know, on the floor at the Superdome. Uh, you know, he he uh, you know he did everything the right way. He gave the team, you know, gave the whole team Nike shoes after the Peach Bowl win. He gave them all headphones right before this game, which right. I don't know enough about NCAA uh, compliance to know how any of that's legal. But he's done all that the right way, so. In the end, it's just right. Odell being Odell, and he's uh, soaking in the, the fun and, and success of his team winning it. I tell you, there was a tweet that I saw, by the way, um, that somebody said that, um, and, and rumor has it that Odell said to Coach O, come get me. 
<laughs> because that's the I had the rumor uh, extending from his uh, NFL season with the Browns and how that went. But um, by the way, Matt, uh, Will Porter here, real quick, and I, I want to ask you this because this is uh, this is kind of uh, news that's uh, that's kind of trickling down the wire on the Twitters. It's uh, talking about uh, the rumor of Joe Brady going back uh, to the NFL, having a, a NFL coaching job, and more specifically uh, with the Carolina Panthers and joining Matt Rule. Uh, on that new offense uh this is again brand new information uh only about maybe an hour old if that and i i want to get your uh, opinion on that of course because you're very close to uh lsu and uh and, and i would imagine that anybody who is an lsu fan are also saints fans and those saints fans are, are now seeing um a, a head coach go from that organization to uh, just a couple miles up the road to Baton Rouge arrival arrival and now and now they're going to arrival uh AFC or no NFC South yeah. uh competitor in Carolina well that's uh, I've solved the same information too it's how you know Adam Schefter first reported it to the NFL and then I saw another source um you know he he has accepted and he's agreed to turn to be the new offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers so uh, he is leaving LSU after all the speculation. And, you know, in the end, he was never going to leave LSU for another collegiate job. Um, I don't think he desired to be an offensive coordinator in college, uh, even though that would be a promotion from a step uh, or from a position standpoint. He wasn't going to leave LSU to be an offensive coordinator. Maybe to be a head coach, but you know, he's a very young guy. I don't know if he feels like he can uh, set up yet to be a head coach. Uh, and so I don't know if he would have even taken that. But the NFL is where he came from, and he came as an analyst uh, from the Saints. And so the opportunity to go to the NFL and be an offensive coordinator, uh, I think that's too good to pass up. But let's all be honest. I mean, he just won. He just came to LSU and won a national championship. He's going to be a legend in Baton Rouge now for the rest of his life. You know, he's losing Burrow. He, he's um, – He's got uh, Jefferson's probably going pro. Clyde Woodward, the is expected to go pro. Uh, you know, LSU's not expected to be back in this spot next year. Of course, they weren't expected to be here this year either, so take that for what it's worth. But it's a much taller hill to climb for them next year after winning it all this year. So, you know, uh, this was the perfect opportunity then for him to bolt and, and be a one-and-done, so to speak, and, and go to the – go to the NFL, and you know, LSU had been in negotiations with him. Uh, I believe what I'd heard was that LSU was going to get him for uh, a four-year extension for $4 million, so essentially a pay raise up to a million dollars a year. I'm certain he's going to be making more than that for the Carolina Panthers to be the offensive coordinator. So, you know, if you're a Panthers fan, you know, I, I think you should be ecstatic because you've got a Big 12 head coach and now the – offensive coordinator who just completely revitalized uh, and changed the LSU football forever, uh, coming to be your offensive coordinator there uh, in uh, in Charlotte. So great news for all the Panthers fans and everybody in your neck of the woods. But, you know, it's going to be a tremendous loss for LSU. But right now the, the party's still going on. It's going to uh, – it'll take a little while for that kind of information to sink in. But it, it's really not too much of a surprise when it's all said and done. He's really put in perspective what he did this year. And what do, what does he have left to prove here now? <laughs> so I agree with why, you. Why not, totally agree. why not make 
Live right now with Matt Sims, of course, uh, LSU and prep sports writer for CrescentCitySports.com, prep football reporter for Ken Trahan's Originals, prep football report on Nash 106.1 there in uh, the state of Louisiana. Of course, he's one of the many voices you hear and a contributor to Southern Sports Central. So he covered it for three different heads of, uh, of business last night, did a great job covering it for us there down there on the ground in the course, uh, well, New Orleans, uh, Louisiana, where Mardi Gras Started a little bit early. I'm sure these guys are going to keep it rolling, and uh, I can only imagine uh, the cops probably were a little bit kind of like the referees last night. They were letting them probably play a little bit more than normal. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that this week. I want to get you back in here maybe tomorrow or even Thursday, and uh, we'll kind of continue to dissect the game from last night. But uh, first of all, man, uh, great job covering uh, college football with us this year uh, there in the state of Louisiana. I greatly appreciate your contributions to the show. And just being a part of the family and part of our team here at Southern Sports Central. But uh, I'd say go get some rest. But, man, if I was you, I'd keep partying, man. Like you said, it's going to be a whole different thing next year. Uh, there's so many storylines there that we can get into, but we'll save it for later in the week. But, again, thank you so much for uh, going back and forth with me last night on social media and, and tweeting out for Southern Sports Central uh, as you did an incredible job. But uh, enjoy. Get some rest if you can. If not, we'll do it again tomorrow. If not, we'll catch you Thursday. Uh, it was a, a pleasure and joy being able to uh, share, provide some insight for the season. And uh, I just wanted to say, I told you guys, Jamar Chase was going to be unstoppable. I called it, I called it, and yes. I called it. And sure enough, <laughs> he was. And I told you, Derek Stingley, uh, he's the DB shutdown guy, and he shut down Ross all game long, and then he comes up with the turnover on the fumble. I called that, and I was like, everything I told you guys about those players, they showed up. And, well, one last thing I wanted to say to you, too, I wanted to comment on the class of Davo Swinney in his post-game comments talking about how the night was about LSU and complimenting them, you know, and basically you know, saying how, how well they played and, and his post-game handshake there with, with Ed Orgeron. Uh, you know, a lot of coaches made his handshake, say, you know, nice job, well done. He stayed there to embrace Orgeron and, and congratulated on him and told him he was proud of him and, uh, and you know that's it, it's one thing to win to be a, a championship winner, but it really takes class to be a championship, uh, to be a champion in defeat. And, and Dabo has showed that across the board. And uh, I don't want that to get lost in this. That you know that's a that's a class head coach there. That you know when the time comes and his time's gone at Clemson, that I I think people are going to look back on it and wish they'd have appreciated him even more um, because of that. Uh, and so I just want to compliment on that. And the last nugget I'm going to leave you guys for a hang-up. I just want you to know when you guys went to bed last night and you woke up this morning, I want you to know and think about that Ed, or- that, uh, Ed Orgeron now has as many undefeated seasons as a head coach as Nick Saban. And I'll leave you with that. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> You got it, man. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Matt Sims throw a little that. bit of something into the mix as uh, he covers LSU and prep sports over there for uh, CrescentCitySports.com. Also with the uh, Ken Trahan's Original Sports and Southern Sports Central, which he did all three justice last night. And uh, you know they've always got to throw a little something into it. Of course, uh, Nick Saban. Oh, by the way, uh, he coached at LSU. He's got a national championship at LSU, and LSU is one of only a few teams that have won a national title in their own state. Florida did it. 
Uh, I want to say I, I know LSU, of course, has done it. Yes. And uh, maybe Southern Cal. I'd have to go back and look. But I heard that stat last night, and it was very impressive. But he mentioned this, and we do need to go to break because I want to kind of break up the, the conversation that he, that he had there with us. But, you know, for me, no surprise. Dabo Sweeney, whether you're a Gamecock fan or, or you're, you're not, I, I will say this. You have to know how to win with class. And you and I kind of had some fun with this a little earlier before the show. We're not going to yeah. get into that. Yeah. But <laughs> you've got to know how to lose with class as well. Yeah. And, and, and that's when character is built. So the key to coaching, and this is a quote from that of Dabo Sweeney, he said the key to coaching is love. It's not knowledge. It's not discipline. It's if you love them, you can discipline them. If you love them, you can yell at them and laugh about it later. That's a quote from your head coach, Dabo Sweeney, if you're a Clemson Tiger fan. You watched him console and and really wrap his arms around Trevor Lawrence last night at the end, and he said, don't let this loss become something that carries into next season. Yeah, and and that's something that ETN also said in his uh, post-game presser right before uh, they they ended up departing. Something that he said was, um, he just talked about how the team handled losing in the national championship and their belief uh, that a one that just one loss does not define uh, the program as a whole. But you know, you know, putting a, putting all of that into uh, the perspective, I mean, th- this was just this was entirely for LSU. How how it was just set up the Cinderella story and and how it comes down to the Superdome and, and Joe Burrow and it was in Louisiana, LSU, Baton Rouge, all of these all these elements, right. if you will just encapsulated into one all of these elements that make that they they make movies for this but this is no movie this is this is real life that sure. that just happened right and, and and you know joe joe burrow is living that movie right now be, being the star quarterback coming coming like i guess rising up from the ashes and, and having his name out there and i'm sure that you know i i just I, guessing on his persona and the person that he is i don't think that he, this is what he was chasing after all along is is the fame and the name and all of that i, right. I think it was that bringing a championship and, and winning a championship no matter what the cost and the last uh the last post i i, I don't know uh if he posted another uh picture on his instagram but the one uh prior to the national championship game it said um it, it said uh, uh the only way to get uh to the top of the mountain is to run through everybody else. Right. And that was the mentality that he has had all season. That's the mentality that he uh, possessed in this national championship game. And that's what got him to this point. And now he's a Heisman winner slash national champion. He's a lot of things. He's a winner on and off the field. He's a first-class cat. You and I talked about, you see the pictures of him sitting there in the locker room with a cigar in his mouth, enjoying an opportunity to just soak this it all fantastic, in. fantastic, man. And, and that's amazing. And, the, and, the, job, and the job is finished. Yeah. For, for him, for his college career, the job is finished. And you think about his journey. Think about his testimony. Think about the things that got him to where he got because he did it the right way on and off the field. You never heard about this young man handling business wrong. You never heard about him in the headlines. You never heard about him being a me guy. He's always been a we guy. He took a hit last night that would have knocked a lot of quarterbacks out, and he scored a touchdown with that hit. That changed him. He came out minutes after going, as soon as halftime started, he goes into the locker room, quickly comes back out, sits on a bicycle, and started riding that bike throughout the halftime show. That's how serious he was. He pushed away the train. He said, no, I'm finishing this. And at the end of the game, what did he do? He said, I'm a 10 and a half. Put a ring on it. So I'm going to take this time to take a break and say, uh, well done, my friend. Well done. This is Southern Sports Central. Come on in. Hang out. Let's go. 323-784-9681. Again, the number to call in is 323-784-9681. Coming up at the top of the hour, we will get in here with Everett 
Uh, he is the voice of the College of Charleston Cougars, but he is going to talk Clemson football because he does a local Clemson show on Saturdays right here in the Charleston market. We'll be right back. This is Southern Sports Central. job there all the way from the bayou to nashville tennessee just a rambling man there as he uh, did it all in hand last night breaking records as he always seems to do and uh there was a picture by a friend of our bryce coon another gentleman who joins us uh now he's cole cole bryson actually no it's cole bryson okay so cole did it cole of course is a big time clemson fan he's also uh, a voice up on the uh, i would say greenville area greenville spartanburg espn upstate our our good friend up there and i had the pleasure to meet him at the uh um, at the state championships back last month, but the thing that uh, the thing that he put out, and we we also put it on our our Twitter as well um, at SO Sports Central. But uh, you can go over there and take a look at it. It's a picture of um, Ed Ogeron and Joe Burrow there uh, in the national championship uh, with uh, Joe Burrow with his uh, t-shirt on that says uh, champion, and, and then right beside it is a, a little clip from uh, Home Alone Two, Lost in New York, and it's uh, Joe Pesci and Macaulay Culkin. And honestly, the resemblance, it just the, in the comparison right. uh, with faces, just I, if you if you thought about it without a picture, it would be very hard uh, to see it. But uh, I guess it's a, just a challenge of uh, of actually seeing it side by side, and you're right. like, oh my gosh, Ed Odron looks almost exactly like Joe Pesci in, in this. Right. It's it's incredible. Like, I, and I, I showed it to you during the break, and you're like, oh man, just put that out there, and we'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very good comparison. Of course, Cole does a lot of things. He's the voice of the Burn Rebels there, Burns High School up there in Greenville. He also, like you said, works for the USC Upstate area for the ESPN guys. 
Uh, so that's, of course, also a, a big deal as well. But he, of course, has come on here. And very interesting, he started when he was at Boiling Springs High School uh, doing radio. And he came in as a guest then. Then he went to North Greenville where he came on uh, doing some stuff with us there. And uh, he worked for um, a couple of different guys up there in the upstate as they covered uh, multiple high schools as well. But, um, yeah, again, a great young man who's uh, – we watched him grow. Heck, he's uh, engaged now. So I've watched this young man – Grew up right in front of my eyes, but uh, the entertainment continues here on Southern Sports Central. Come on in, hang out with us. The number to call in is 323-784-9681. Again, 323-784-9681. That is the Matt Burgers Hotlines. This segment brought to you by our friends over at the Fan Zone, 5070 International Boulevard, Suite 106 and 107. They got so much championship stuff, they can't stand it. Get in there, get you an LSU championship shirt. I'm sure they had some Clemson things, but that stuff's probably heading across the seas to somewhere else. And uh, nevertheless, uh, go over there. Now, if you can't catch them in North Charleston, you can find them on the social world. Of course, that is the Internet at The Fan Zone, and uh, that is www.thefanzoneshop.com. Will, I know you had something you want to say. Yeah, um, the, the thing to uh, kind of – this is what, it's, what a lot of the mentality is with, with football in the season is that once the day that the season ends, the next day the, the new one begins. Right. Um, you should mention that uh, Jeff Scott, that he he had coached his last game at Clemson uh, for Clemson last night. Uh, he's headed to South Florida, and right. and a lot of people, uh, of course, want to thank him uh, for his career as a Clemson player and as as a coach. They right. uh, Clemson has gone seventy and five, and they have averaged forty points and five hundred yards uh, with Scott and Tony Elliott as co uh, coordinators. And there will be a lot of South Florida fans uh, in Clemson next year uh, for that for. Coach Scott and that program and the direction that that he is going with his with his career as he is uh, stepping away from Clemson and being an offensive coordinator and now to now being a head coach. Right, and and you could see easily a matchup with South Florida taking on Clemson that could easily be a done deal. And here's the thing: he's also going to take with him. He's going to take some coaches with him, I'm sure. And I know he's going to get some recruits from the state of South Carolina to head down there to South Florida as well. So again, it's going to be a big deal. Uh, he, he did, I believe, was on the roster on the staff at South Carolina back in the 90s when his father, by the way, Brad Scott, took South Carolina to their first bowl victory in the CarQuest Bowl against West Virginia. By God, West Virginia, 1995, I believe, uh, is when his father was the head coach over at, of course, um, at South Carolina. Then they went to Clemson uh, where the legacy was built and things were done. But, you know, the dad was actually over in uh, Florida State, right? So they actually uh, they know each other on, on that end of the deal. So he knows the state of Florida. He understands recruiting. He's a great offensive genius. Now, they're leaving it in good hands with Tony Elliott. Now, Tony Elliott, of course, is a James Allen guy right here down the road from the studio and has the ability to kind of take it to where it needs to go. And that's, I always thought that, that was kind of weird to have two offensive coordinators. Is kind of what they've always had at Clemson, and it worked. I mean, not all the places, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't work, but it worked. Two great minds did think alike evidently and where one was weak one was strong it was kind of a perfect marriage if you will but at Clemson again I want to make sure you understand I picked LSU last night not because I don't like Clemson I picked LSU last night because I just thought they had the better team they have more playmakers they have the ability I mean I have never seen a quarterback and I've seen a lot of quarterback play look as good as this kid has looked and Joe Burrow this guy has thrown it I mean he hit receivers last night in ways over the shoulder in the pockets I mean it was just it looked like a video game. He was that good, and he was that good all year long. And watching him and his confidence, not cockiness, but confidence, I think really kind of propelled them. But to me, again, and I'm going to use the floor for a minute, but 
it wasn't, again, it wasn't his arm that got this team and running, engines moving. It was his leg power. It was his ability to scramble, get out of tackles, get out of sacks, and get the extra yardage because they were not doing the things they needed to do. LSU was making a lot of mental mistakes early, and that costed them what could have been, and it looked like Clemson was going to run with this thing at the earlier part of the first quarter. Yeah, it, it was a tale of two halves, really, really and truly. And the thing with Clemson is that uh, there were so many mistakes that LSU had and that Clemson just couldn't capitalize. Look, here's the thing. Joe Burrow is that incredible talent. He is that dude. And, I, and I'll tell you why. It's because of his ability to um, – he, his, his ability to just do all the things and become a playmaker. He, he's not a game manager. He, he's, not, he's not this role player that you have. He's a game changer. And, right. and his talents and what he's able to do, using his arms when he has to, using his legs when he has to, reading the defense. And, and the thing, you know, Clemson's defense, all credit to them, that doing a fantastic job. Brent Venables always turns out great, uh, uh, great defenses year in and year out for the past several years, for the, the past five years that they've been on this, on this run, this dynasty that, that is still ongoing. Um, and we can get into that a little bit later on. But um, talking about this defense and what Venables has been able to do, Burrow was just able to pick them apart. And same thing that he's been doing all season long. Right. And, and I knew it in my heart of hearts, you know, the, the secondaries was, was going to be the toughest part of, of the game uh, for Clemson. The secondaries were going to be the, the one key piece if whether or not that Joe Burrow was going to be successful. And it wasn't, amount, it wasn't amounting to Joe Burrow. It was his receivers right. that were able to go in there and be able to capitalize like, uh, in all of those things. I do want to also mention his ability to change, like to just change the play because, you know, he would run up to the side, like he would run up side to the sidelines like right. he was running it, and he, like he was going to run it. And, and a defender would, would go off of his route, off of his receiver, and leave him just enough room. I mentioned it on the show uh, on Saturday. I also mentioned it last night, too, that that is going to be what Clemson doesn't do. They don't need to fight on Joe Burrow. And in the fact that he's going to run, no, he's going to run out of the pocket to create space to open up one of his receivers to make a play. And that's exactly what he was able to do. Again, just the, the talent that Joe Burrow possesses. It's just out of this world. Well, his awareness of knowing where the line of scrimmage was last night. You're talking about this one play in particular that I remember personally is when they had to scramble a little bit. He went out enough to pull in the defenders from the secondary. The guys on the second row came in after him because they thought he was about to scramble. All of a sudden, he does a little dump pass over the top, kind of looked like a Tim Tebow-ish type of toss over the top, and then, boom, he goes down the sideline. Exactly. And, and you're talking about a whole different ballgame. Now, for me, uh, you, you know, you, you watch at what this young man does, and, and to be aware, he is a student in the game. Again, his father was in the coaching business for a long time, and you start to kind of put things together. Uh, the one thing that I do want to say, and, and again, Matt Sims joined us there in the top of the hour here in uh, one of the open segments. He did say LSU, Florida, and USC are the only three teams to win a national championship in their own state, so I was right. You were right, yeah. How about that? So every once in a while, uh, you know, it works. So uh, when you kind of put things together, there were just so many entities, and, and I said it earlier. They had a rusher, two receivers, and a quarterback. And tight end. Well, no, no, I'm just talking about breaking the record oh, breaking with records, over 1,000 yeah. yards and over this many yards oh, yeah, and yeah. over 5,000 yards. You're right, and, you're right. And, and just to do what they did. Now, last night, you're right. They had their tight end. And, and a lot of teams, I don't think, do a great job with utilizing their tight end in positions. I say this in high school all the time. This guy is there. He's an eligible receiver. Use him. Abuse him. Put him to work. Make him earn his check. Make him earn his, his S on his chest if you're Somerville or your Fort D if you're Fort Dorchester in high school. But if you're in college, man, utilize that big dude because the NFL does it. They make a career out of that kid. 
And when you start to kind of see that last night, you watch that big tight end having such a big night last night. It was hard to contain him. It was hard to read him what he was going to do. But once LSU in the first half quit making mental mistakes, again, I pick on number 73 because I ate him up last night on social media. He had like three or four fouls on himself. One of them, an an eligible receiver downfield. Another one was a a holding call. Blocking the uh, back. Blocking the back. Like all those things. And and I think it was also a personal foul, uh, unnecessary roughness that he had against him. So it was like it was about three or four different penalties all within the first half. They were were just the, the disciplined mistakes that they made. You know, but nonetheless, I, I don't think that that really phased LSU because they knew what they were capable of. It was just a matter of I, – I, I wouldn't say getting him under control because I don't really think that number 73 was a problem now all he throughout had, the no, game. Well, well, at the beginning At the beginning he was, but right. like, I'm talking all throughout the season. I don't think that he was nah, really he, a problem. It right. was just you know, first time getting into this, this stage. I think it was their first appearance in the college football, uh, uh, the college football playoff uh, final. Final probably. So. The final, yeah. And, and so the, the final game for the championship. Right. And so I guess, I don't know, for that stage or, or whatever have you, but it, it was just those mental mistakes that he made um, that could have potentially cost LSU the game, but it didn't because LSU being able to rebound in the way that they did. Right. And I, and I think that's what it comes down to. It comes down to discipline football wins a lot more than, than, than we see it in, in, in perspective. Even on the defense for the, the, the LSU Tigers, they struggled a little bit keeping up with Higgins and keeping up with certain receivers and some of the dump passes and some of the uh, reverses and certain things that you saw, some trickery that was happening with Clemson, but they adjusted well. That defensive coordinator, I think he's kind of an unsung. You don't hear much about him because we this is not We the don't best know his team. name. I don't know his name. Well, well the thing is, is that this is not the best LSU defense that they've had in years of past. They've always been known as a DBU type of university. This year, it's, it's an offensive offense. deal, right? Yep. And it's only because of the fact that the offense is that much better. It's not that the defense ain't good. No, they're good. Look at their scores. Like, how many they give up? Yeah, they played close to a couple of teams. They, they gave up more points, I think, against Ole Miss than they thought they would. But at the end of the day, when your back's against the wall, they did what they needed to do. But that's where I think, and we do need to go to break here in just a few minutes, but Clemson, where they got away and things got away from them is when they quit putting LSU with their backs against the wall and they started making some of those little mistakes themselves. And and the thing that I like about this, and and I'm a a Clemson fan, I'm a Clemson guy, and the thing that I want to make sure that I am clear about is the fact that I, I, I like the idea that LSU is the topic of conversation surrounding all of this, that LSU is like you, you scroll in the feed and all, and all you see is LSU. And, uh, you know, p- and for me personally, I'm not as upset uh, at the, the Clemson haters or the ones that, that are not fans of Clemson to wanting to see them fall. Like I, I'm more so upset at, at the Clemson fans and the Clemson faithful that, that put Clemson so high up and discrediting LSU and their possibilities because I, 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 I don't know about you, but unless you've been living in a bubble, LSU and their offense has, has proven themselves um, week in and week out with all of this uh, you know, leading up to the national championship game, and they did just that. They were able to respond and be able to adjust and do the things that they were able to do. Joe Burrow, uh, like again, th- this is uh, – we can, we can continue to beat the narrative of, of Joe Burrow, but what he was able to do and his ability – uh, to to just continue to make plays, and he was that dude, and that's what you want for a quarterback is, is being able to do the, all those things that you need to do, and he was he did all those things. He did just that. He fought through the adversity. You saw you saw him wincing uh, on the field before before they went to the locker room at halftime, and then he came out and and got on the bike just to stay loose. Like that's what that that's the killer mentality that that he has in him, 
and, and his ability to, you know, just continue to uh, uh, prove himself, feeling that there's something that he that he still has to prove. And, and that and that's exactly what happened in that game. And that I, I would imagine that's still going to be his career. But this entire narrative is LSU, LSU, LSU. Right. And, and that's not to discredit Clemson. It's just that this is this was LSU's year. This was LSU's time from, from almost the very beginning to the end where it, it was just this up-and-coming story about, about LSU and this quarterback. Oh, who is that guy? And then by October, then everybody started knowing about him. By November, it was, okay, this dude is for real. And then for him to play through a, a, a conference championship and then uh, just com- completely dominate the Oklahoma Sooners in, in the bowl game there for the uh, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl in the semifinal and then the final and be able to handle Clemson the way that they did. That to me is just, it's, it's a great storyline from start to finish. And that, and that's what I like about the conversations. It's not, it's not, Oh, well, Clemson had a downfall or Clemson is is not real. Clemson is not legit. They, they are. And and to a certain respect. And I, and I understand all of the arguments that are against them saying, well, it, it's the, it was the ACC. They never played a real team until Ohio State, and then, and then they barely got off by the edge of their teeth, um, scraping out of there, and then get to the national championship game and then just get, you know, manhandled. But it was LSU. You can't – like with this, it, was it more so of a debate that it was an LSU win or a Clemson loss? Which story is, is more prominent? It, right. it, you can't have one without the other. LSU, LSU won – because LSU is that was that team. Right. Clemson lost because LSU was that team. Right. I mean, we we said it before. We got to go to break here. Top of the hour coming up here on Southern Sports Central. One and done in the books. We got a caller coming in. It's a top. Actually, two callers are going to hit. We're going to start off with Joe Hughes. He of course is a sports writer for the Gaston Gazette. There also the Shelby Star. He covered the game a lot last night as well. He's a kid that uh, does a great job. I say a kid, he's my age, but he does a great job uh, and I'll do respect to what he does. And I appreciate him being a part of our show here uh, on Southern Sports Central. He's been a part of our family for a long time, uh, for the last three or four years, but uh, excited to hear his part of this as well, because I don't think he had a dog in the fight last night, neither. Uh, so we'll hear from him. And then at 7.15, Ever German's going to join us at 7.15. He is a guy with a, uh, a tiger on his tail. Of course, that's going to be the Clemson Tigers, as uh, he's a big-time uh, guy in many ways there for the Clemson Tigers at 7.15. Now, uh, we will come back. It is the top of the hour. You want to join us? Hang out with us. Come on in. 323-784-9681. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio. My family and I were suffering with no protection from the hot Carolina sun. I called the Tent Farm, and they told me about their line of ceramic window film. Now I have 99.9% protection from harmful UV rays for the ones that matter the most. You don't have to be a math teacher like me for those numbers to make sense. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. I was driving in extreme Charleston heat. I couldn't take it any longer. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I used to be the victim of bad tent. It was so horrible, I was embarrassed to be seen driving even in my own hometown. I called the tent farm, and they took care of me. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I'm Jonathan Farmer, owner and founder of Tent Farm. Are you a victim of bad tent? Are you suffering from extreme heat? We here at the Tent Farm want to help you with these horrible conditions. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm.
Hollywood code. I'm with Marla G, bro. Flying Hollywood chick to my Hollywood shows. And I want to tell you something that you're Welcome back, everybody. Changing the gears. It's hour number two. Hour one's come and gone. I want to thank Matt Sims, who covered it right there in New Orleans, Louisiana. And, of course, uh, the national championship game where he watched the LSU Tigers take out the Clemson Tigers. And, of course, uh, he covers the LSU Tigers throughout the season for us. Uh, not just football, basketball, but also baseball. But we'll get into some of that with him here in just a few. But now, oh, now we head out. I believe my good friend is somewhere in the state of North Carolina. But we're going to get an update now from Mr. Joe Hughes. Of course, uh, Joe does many, many things. He's a sports writer for the Gaston Gazette, also the Shelby Star. He was over at the Sun News where he and I got to know each other pretty well in his time on the Grand Strand. But, uh, man, other than being the uh, world's greatest dad, you do a great job in the sports world as well, my friend. What's up? Not much. How are y'all? Good, man. Good. Now, you and I got the chance to, uh, to kind of go back a little bit. I watched some of your tweets and some of your Facebook posts, and uh, I talked to you this morning about getting in here, and I appreciate you taking time away from your family to do that here this afternoon or this evening. Uh, but, uh, man, I, I don't think you had an allegiance in this game, but if you did, go ahead and speak that now or forever hold your peace. But uh, your thoughts on a game last night from your point of view? Let's just say I stayed up all night because I couldn't go to sleep. <laughs> I, I hope that was for a good that. reason because <laughs> I know a lot of people stayed up for, and they were like man it was for a great reason but I'm paying you probably saw my text I had to take a nap because <laughs> I, <was, laughs> I was totally out of it I, I, was, I was totally wiped out but uh yeah it was as an LSU guy it was a great night just uh it it was just a lot of exercising of demons you, until they actually, until the clock ran out. You're like, man, we got to deal with 2011 and that 2012 mm. national championship game until now. And everything that went with it, those losses to Alabama, the even the Peach Bowl loss to Clemson, and just being having teams that were good enough but not able to get over the hump, it really – this win exercised a lot of demons for for that whole program, and it's, it's just it's just awesome to see. And uh, just talking to a lot of fellow LSU backers and people that I I know back in back in Louisiana, uh, everyone's just so excited and just it, it it's just shocking because no one saw this happening in August or even before that, possibly except for anybody that was in the LSU camp. Live right now with Joe Hughes. Of course, he uh, covers a, a bunch of different things. One is there's, of course, the Gaston Gazette, the Shelby Star. He's a uh, LSU guy as well uh, on his free time when that ever gets to be. Uh, let's talk. One thing we talk a lot of offense, but I, I want to touch base with you on the defense of LSU. And they've always been known. You're a, a longtime fan here. With that being said, DBU's kind of been their thing last night. And, of course, uh, Derek Stingley Jr. was one of those guys who I thought did really good. Six targets, one reception, 12 yards, zero touchdowns, you know What's your thoughts here when when you kind of go against, uh, you know, the defense, the secondary? Who kind of showed up? I believe number seven was uh, becoming a big name last night as he laid out one of the Clemson Tiger fan, uh, uh, wide receivers. But overall, from the defensive point of view, give me some updates and some thoughts from that side of the ball. Yeah, Derek Stingley, it seemed like Clemson was did not want any parts of him at all. And until – they didn't really – tried to go his way until they had to and they had little to no success until it was garbage time so he, the, that kid is just blossoming right before for your for our eyes a, a straight freshman and 
has a game that is already already close to a junior or a senior, it seems like. He's being defended on the, the blanket to cover one side of the ball or one side of the field, and he is he's basically putting every everyone on an island over there. He's only going to get better from here. Live right now, the good friend of ours, Joe Hughes, has been a big contributor for Southern Sports Central for many, many years. Will, of course, hearing your name for the first time. Uh, we haven't had a chance to catch up, but we'll – joined the family back in about September, October when he came in here and started doing some shows with me and now, of course, produces it here while I get a chance to catch up with you. But even last night, Les Mouse chimes in. He says, congratulations to the players, the coaches, the staff, and the fans of LSU on winning the national championship. Nick Saban was there in the house. There were so many great people in and around this program. What does it mean now? Where do you go from here? Because we just had Matt Sims, who's a beat writer there in the state of Louisiana for LSU. And, um, I guess he would have said it best in saying that now it's almost kind of a rebuilding process. I don't know if it's much of a reloading, and it's not really his words, but kind of what I'm going to take out of that conversation. But from your point of view, where do you go from here? Who's your quarterback? Do you know who your next quarterback is coming up? The quarterback, from all indications, is going to be Miles Brennan. But I kind of I do somewhat agree with that because it, that was kind of somewhat the difference last night. LSU was a bunch of juniors and seniors, a bunch of grown men. Two-thirds of Clemson's roster is freshmen and sophomores. You ba- there was a legit age gap, and you started to see that once things started going left. The more, the more battle-hardened, the more veteran team, the one that got down 10 was the one that was able to bounce back. The one that went down 11 and started seeing things go left couldn't turn it back right, and that was Clemson. And you saw some of that, especially in the second half when they started missing passes, started getting empty possessions, going three and out. And after a while, you're, build, you're, you're doing nothing but building confidence for a, a defense that spent much of the first half on his heels. Live right now, Joe Hughes covers a ton of things. He's a big-time LSU guy as well. But you do cover the Tigers uh, from time to time because of where you are located geographically here in the Carolinas. Uh, This is a team that I thought looked really good. I mean, we know the numbers, the stats. 742 days uh, since the last time they took an L. They were 29-0 and before last night. Uh, Two national titles coming out of the senior class that will remember forever as they have made a trip. I think each year they played uh, there at Clemson. That's a big deal. But where does Clemson go from here? Of course, Trevor Lawrence, he's coming back. And, and it's his now Heisman to lose. It's his first-round draft pick to lose. And, and kind of like a Tua, you know, that was kind of the guy we thought Tua was going to be this year out of Alabama. But what's your thoughts of him coming back, though? Is there some fear you think in him right now? Because he saw what happened to Tua and how he dropped in the, in the draft basically by taking such a huge hit. He lost to Heisman. There was a lot of things that were trying to trickle down. Uh, when you're a guy like this, man, do you have any chance to get better than you already are? Uh, I, I think last night showed us that he has some things that he can work on, especially once, especially when he's not working with a clean pocket. That's that's kind of the difference between him and Joe Burrow. Joe, Joe Burrow thrives in a muddy pocket. Trevor Lawrence needs a clean pocket where he can step into a throw. And when he when when LSU started getting pressure and started even getting a hand or even a couple feet in his vicinity. Throws started to sail. They started to go left, started to go right. Some even ended up in the dirt. He can work on that, but as far as Tua, in comparison to Tua, 
I don't think there's really a comparison. Tua's injury history is totally different, whereas Trevor Lawrence in two years at Clemson has barely been breathed upon. And he, the only thing that he's going to do, he's coming back just if for nothing else is for his teammates and for the fact that I have to get this bad taste out of my mouth. And I, I think I put a tweet out earlier today. He's going on a scorched earth tour next year, and the rest of college football better be ready for it. And uh, I can go. I'm already, I'm already probably one of the few that's already out on this limb saying, "Hey, Clemson's going to win the national championship next year." That's me saying yeah, that. I, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. I would echo what you said there because he's got a lot of guys coming back. He's got a lot of weapons coming back, and they're just reloading this gun called uh, Clemson football. It's just another day. But uh, as an LSU guy, you, you look at what these guys did. The first team to beat. Uh, the top four teams in the preseason AP poll, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and Oklahoma. And, of course, the Tigers did it by averaging 21 points uh, and holding back what they were able to do there uh, when you kind of go through it. Uh, let me ask you this, and this is kind of college football related, but it's tied to the NFL and your location, proximity to Charlotte. You got a new coach over there with the Panthers. Did they do the right thing? Did they fire the right guy and hire the right guy? Give me your overall grade when it comes to this new situation as they bring in, it looks like one of your guys from LSU to help run this offense. Uh, when, it, when it comes to Coach Rivera, Coach Rivera was a great coach. I think he really fit in well with everything that went on here in, in the Charlotte area. But it was time. Uh, certain things run their course, and after a while, you need a new voice. And that's I think they brought in the right guy for that, especially knowing that the likelihood is this is going to be a total rebuild. You don't give a guy seven years, uh, a seven-year contract, if you're not expecting for him to be there throughout that. And this team's going to probably be rebuilding because there is multiple positions in which this team needs to work. Defensive line was just horrendous last year after injuries has buckled. Offensive line has been long been an issue. The linebackers, or probably the strength, even though I'm not exactly the biggest Shaq Thompson fan like that. And the defensive backfield, we've all we've all known for some time, if they do not have if they do not have a legit pass rush, they cannot stand up against the pass. They need to restructure that too. So there's a lot of work to do, but I think they have the right coach to as far as the building block to start that. I um, we'll see. We'll, I'm, I'm still a wait. I'm a wait and see guy before I give out a grade. But from what I do, from what I do see, I really like what, what's going forward. Live right now with Joe Hughes, of course, covers a lot of things here on Southern Sports Central. His days covering the Grand Strand all the way now up there around the outskirts of Charlotte, where the Panthers are there, and uh, of course the Tigers are not too far away. The Gamecocks are within an arm reach. And oh, by the way, he's an LSU Tiger fan. As well. Now, that being said, one final thing uh, that I want to get you before I get you out of here. Haven't talked to you since football season, but out of the state of Carolina, uh, on the championships, I know you saw the work just do what Touch Fork did and, and went four in a row. They kind of have a lot of similarity in what Clemson people were expected up there in, in Tigertown. Uh, of course, Myrtle Beach played uh, for the uh, state championship. They fell a little short in their uh, travels, if you will, there to a very good team in the upstate. And just overall, what was your thoughts and opinions of high school football in 2019 uh, from the big picture from your seat? I think the biggest thing for me was the fact that I hate that Luke Doty didn't get to finish out his career the, the right way. Um, 
of course that injury in the first round really put him put him out and that team showed a lot of guts and moxie and they're still young as well but having him not be able to go out the right way it didn't fit right with me but it, it, it it's all part of the game and Ren was Ren's a mighty fine football team as well they're going to be a force to be reckoned with over the next couple years as well they're only on they're only on their they're on the up and up Dutch Fork is Dutch Fork. Uh, I think we talked too much about them, but of course they kind of deserved deserved a lot of that. When, when you win four titles in a row, you're doing something right. And Dorman just can't get past them. Even uh, they they found a way to to score ten points in the final two and a half minutes against Clover to end their undefeated season in a game that Clover was thoroughly outplayed and find their way to a state championship game and pretty much outplay. Uh, that's for three, three and a half quarters and end up having to go to overtime and lose. But, uh, and then you have Saluda winning a state championship, the first one in decades, uh, green C Floyd winning another state championship. Chapman doing what it did. It was a good year for high school football in South Carolina. I, I just wonder whether we're starting to see a little bit of the old guard leave and the stepping in of a new guard. Right. It's, it's going to be fun to see how that kind of goes. No doubt about it. Right now, live with Joe Hughes, he covers a lot of the, uh, I, I would say, things across the state of South Carolina into North Carolina. And I would have liked to see the finish, by the way, of Mallard Creek and, and Dutch Fork. I know Lightning kind of stopped it. They ended in a tie there. That's the only blemish. If there was a blemish on Dutch Fork's record, uh, there would have been that tie with the weather. And it was on ESPN, if I'm not mistaken. It was a big game there, but uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. Man, as always, I greatly appreciate it. And, uh, you know, come on down to Charleston, man. I'd love to kind of host you around town. Uh, did you, by the way, if you watched football the other weekend, uh, this past weekend uh, when the uh, Packers were on, uh, there was a commercial for Bud Light Seltzer, I believe was the commercial. Uh, did you get a chance to see that? I did. Do you realize that was filmed right here in Somerville, South Carolina? <laughs> I did not. I did, you not. did not. Uh, it, yeah, and that, that's that's the funny thing. I don't watch commercials, so right. I knew. I figured I, if you I, I if you I, caught it, it had to impress you a little bit. It certainly did. It certainly did. I'm uh, I am a a Bud Light connoisseur, so sorry for the plug. <laughs> hey man, hey, we're we're live from six to eight. Man, this isn't the morning show. We're doing an evening <laughs> show, so we we get to turn the lights down a little bit lower and uh, you know open it up a little bit here. Yeah, we'll get excited. All right, so uh, man, <laughs> we appreciate what you do. Uh, not just in high school, not just in college, but for the pros, man. You guys that are writers, just like SoCon John, you know, I had to actually bring Will in so that SoCon John can go cover basketball. Uh, but I am going to utilize you, if you don't mind, in some basketball conversations starting uh, this week and the next week with the NCAA basketball theme. Now it's going to start stepping up with the uh, conference play that's going to get in. We got March Madness coming up. So I definitely need some, some attention from you here. But I know you guys do a lot of writing when we're sleeping. You guys are, are, are working. So uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, man, the reason I brought this thing into the evening is for guys like you that I don't have to wake you up at 630 in the morning like I used to. <laughs> Good deal, man. Good deal. You know, I'm, you know, I'm always around. I'm always around. Well, real quick, man, give yourself a plug. Tell them how to find you. Tell them what's going on with it, and uh, I'll let you take it from there. All right. So my Twitter is Joe L. Hughes the second, and uh, I'm I'm pretty – I'm pretty opinionated, I, I would say. I, I, I'm, uh, I'll be sure to answer any questions. Let's just say that I'm, I'm, I'm very opinionated and will, and just free to converse. 
it sports is sports is how I do it, and, uh, and I I love talking sports. So that's that's pretty much it. Well, Joe, we greatly appreciate you, brother. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Congratulations on your uh, your national championship over there. Uh, you know, we are also fans as much as we sit here and, and write and talk and do the things that we do, brother. But, again, thanks for the time away from your family for a few minutes. And uh, I'll catch up with you off the air sometime here in the next couple of days to set a schedule up so that we can iron out a certain day and uh, have you in on a weekly basis. Good deal, my man. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Joe L. Hughes second. He's a sports writer for the Gaston Gazette, also the Shelby Star. Uh, I would encourage you to follow him over there, at Joe L. Hughes II. And, again, like he said, very voice opinionated or Twitter opinionated, if you will, there. But uh, anything you got, he will definitely answer, and he covers it uh, from all levels of the game. We're going to take a quick break. Coming up next, Everett German is going to join me next. He is the voice of the College of Charleston Cougars. He does a high, he does a Clemson Tiger sports show here on Saturdays, a loyal, long-time, big-time Clemson Tiger fan, and I want to hear his thoughts of all the action from last night. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live. Don't go anywhere. Coming up next, Everett German. We're back here on Southern Sports Center. I'm Rich. I'm alongside Will Porter. I want to thank Joe Hughes, the second. Got to get that last number in there. Of course, uh, big-time contributor to Southern Sports Central for many years. As he covered the Grand Strand for the Sun News, I was outside of Charlotte in that weird corridor, if you will, uh, the hybrid area of, uh, of the Carolinas because he can go on both sides of the uh, state line there and cover it all for high school, college, and, of course, the NFL. Now we head to right down the street here in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, where we go over to the voice of the College of Charleston Cougars men's basketball team, but he is a big-time voice of the Clemson Tigers here in the Low Country and has his own show on Saturdays and does a phenomenal job loving on this community. And without this guy, I tell you what, uh, it's guys like him that motivate me to never give up and keep pushing through these doors and walls. So, Everett German, uh, good afternoon, sir. I, I wish we were talking a little bit different about last night, but uh, I look forward to hearing your conversation on that game that took place last night between the Clemson Tigers and the LSU Tigers, buddy. Yeah, first of all, uh, good evening, Richie. Always a pleasure to join you on the show. And, uh, yeah, as a Clemson fan, uh, not necessarily, I guess, a little disappointed, obviously, in the outcome from last night. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you can kind of hang your head high knowing that at the end of the day, LSU is just a better team. 
um, better quarterback, got better uh, quarterback play. I think one of the huge uh, issues for Clemson last night was not being able to uh, get off of the field on third down. And give credit to LSU. They uh, extended some plays. They made some plays. It's almost like they kind of rushed Trevor. Trevor wasn't in his normal Trevor Trevor mode. You know, some passes sailed on him. And just one of those nights where you kind of figured that Clemson probably would have to score at minimum 35 points even have a chance, and that would not have been a, enough last night. So, still a great season, 14-1, uh, and one, won the conference again, obviously won the uh, state championship, and you know they'll lose a, a few of those players from last night, and you have to expect someone like a Travis Etienne and probably T. Higgins uh, to probably leave. I know uh, Ankrum and Simpson, uh, so one more on that offensive line as well, but Needless to say, a lot of uh, guys on the bench got some quality playing minutes this year. Everybody's heard about the number one recruiting class that Clemson has coming in. So uh, it's safe to say that I I totally expect uh, Clemson to be back in the playoffs again next year. No doubt about it. Live right now with Herbert German. He is a big voice here in the, uh, of course, the low countries. He is the voice of the College of Charleston Cougars men's basketball, as well as has a show on Saturdays where he talks all Clemson Tigers and some college football throughout that show as well. Uh, and I would agree with you. You know, you went against a very good team, and you went into their own backyard. That kind of adds a little uh, insult to injury, if you will. So that made it tough. But kind of looking at the board, uh, just their ability to pin back that of LSU against the wall, and that's something that you saw. Drew Burrow wasn't used to coming outside uh, in the in the within the ten to the end zone of his own, and he struggled trying to get out, struggled hitting receivers. And then I mentioned earlier, now our number one. You know, Everett, I'll get your thoughts on the same for she can bit multiple occasions being out in the wrong way. Playing guy not make tough mistakes we've been involved. Yeah, for some reason, Richie, I'm hearing like every other word, like almost like it's a bad connection. But I think you asked about maybe uh, LSU early on. Um, you know, I thought Clemson, similar to what happened against Ohio State in that early period, Ohio State. Uh, had to sell for field goals. You think about the first four possessions for Clemson, outstanding field position, and at the end of the day, they only had seven points to show for it, and I thought that was huge. And then, you know, yeah, they made some missed tackles, and Brady, uh, uh, Joe Burrow, uh, was able to extend some plays. But, uh, yeah, that was just huge as well. you got to capitalize. You have a potent team like LSU. You knew it was just a matter of time before they got going, and, you know, the secondary of Clemson didn't have necessarily their best game, but, you know, at the end of the day, some learning experience, hopefully this will drive the guys to uh, remember that taste of defeat as they walked off of the Superdome uh, floor last night, and I think spring practice starts in, I believe, six weeks, so a chance to maybe take a week off and then get right back at it. Wow, that's uh, he is a voice of the Charleston Cougar again. He does a local show here in uh, Charleston for the Clemson Tigers as uh, he gets you ready, rocking and rolling on Saturday mornings. Now, 742 days was the last time Clemson took uh, a loss in that column. They won, what, 29 in a row. We had two national championships. This is the senior class, not just this senior class in the world football ever. They were able to hop in the four years that they were at Clemson. 
I'm trying to piece together your question. I think you said something about the senior class. I believe I heard that um, in the bits and pieces. And if that was indeed the question, yeah, this is a senior class that won 55 games over uh, four years, two national championships, three national championships. Live right now with Everett German. Of course, he is the uh, College of Charleston basketball, uh, the voice of the Cougars here. We're dealing with a little bit of, uh, of issues here. I believe he's back on here with us now. Uh, Everett, we appreciate you working through some of this stuff here with us. But nevertheless, uh, just kind of talk a little bit where this Clemson football team, the senior class, where do they stand, not just for the Clemson Tigers, but overall, where do they, where do they fit in the greatest class or, or a top class that has accomplished as much as they were able to do in the four years that they were there at Clemson with picking up as many victories as they did consecutively as well overall in two national championships? All right, well, we might have lost them there. So uh, we're going to do this. We'll take a break. We'll regroup some things here. We'll come back, and we'll get you locked back in. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio. Tied with last year's senior class at Clemson, as well as 
uh, I want to say the 2017 Alabama class. Um, of course, because of the football playoff system the way it is now, uh, there's you know two additional games plus you have your conference championship game. So uh, back in the 80s and you know the 90s, back in the dominance of the Nebraskas and the Floridas and the Florida State, those teams only played 12 or 13 games, and so they didn't really have an opportunity to win as many games as these kids do these days. But this Clemson class, uh, just a special a special bunch. I mean, to win two national championships uh, in four years. Um, you know, all of the, the accolades and the dominance of the, the ACC. I believe they only lost uh, one ACC game during their time. Uh, and it's, it's just a special run and just something that we probably uh, should won't appreciate it until, you know, further along, along the lines when you look back and you look at the dominance of Clemson during this time. Just think, man, that was a special senior class. And you really think about it, Richie, there's not a lot of seniors on this team. Um, you know, you think, I think Clemson has 80 of the 120 guys on the rosters for either freshmen or sophomores. So it's not a lot of seniors, but there are some guys like a John Simpson, you know, from Fort Dorchester that uh, played as a true freshman, was there for four years, and unfortunately will end his career, um, you know, on a bad note. But, yeah, this one will go down for sure as one of the all-time great. Uh, senior classes in college football history. Live right now with Ever German, the voice of the College of Charleston men's basketball team, also a voice for the Clemson Tigers here in the Low Countries. He does a show on Saturdays over there at Kirkman Broadcast, and I believe uh, goes from ESPN. Sometimes I believe he's heard on Fox as well, but nevertheless, uh, he's in and around the, the high schools, the colleges here, and a great ambassador uh, of many here that uh, we appreciate anytime he gets around uh, the, the Low Country. And of course, I get a chance to catch up with you over at Somerville doing some things. As well, I know on Friday nights, you're also uh, a, a voice and a face as they do Friday Night Lights over there with you and a couple of the guys from Channel 4 over there, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Dean Stevens and you sometimes uh, jump in there and knock it out as well. But uh, I do appreciate what you do, the time you take away from your family. Uh, for those here, not only in the low country, but just overall, these guys don't realize the hours that we put in, even though it's a three-hour show or a four-hour show, a lot of preparation and hours away uh, to get it right, I guess I would say. Uh, on that note. Now, let me ask you this. Overall, what was kind of the other headlines when it comes not just to LSU, but what did you take away from college football? To me, I I thought this was one of the best years we've had overall in college football. They kind of got it right with the four minus the Oklahoma side of things. But as a big pitcher, what would you give the grade of college football in 2019? Uh, Definitely, I think, an A. There was just so much controversy going in and even into that last weekend with who was going to fall out. You know, Utah had their chance, and, you know, Alabama had their chance, and just some of the – while you had still the big names like Clemson and Alabama and, you know, LSU who really hadn't been uh, up there at the top as of late because they could not get past Alabama, uh, the resurgence of, you know, Ohio State still in the mix. Those are the names – but it seems like a lot of offense this year and, and excitement and, you know, uh, really not too much in, in terms of, of issues and things supporters say off the field. And then you have someone like a Joe Brady who comes out of nowhere to, you know, win the, the Heisman Trophy and just a phenomenal year he had with the 60 touchdowns. So, I mean, as always, college football is at all-time high. You know, we wait forever. I think we're 238 days away from the start of next season. We wait forever for it to get here, and once it gets here, I mean, it seems like it goes just like that. So that's one of those sports that you never want to see it end. 
Um, but, yeah, college football, you just can't beat the Saturday afternoon uh, in Williams-Brice or in Death Valley or at Bryant, any stadium, or wherever you are, just the tailgating, the camaraderie, and just watching uh, these student athletes perform uh, at the highest level. Live right now, of course, Eric German, the voice of the College of Charleston Cougar basketball team, as well as a loud and proud voice here in the low country that covers high school, college, and even talks some NFL, and we won't get into your NFL. I, I, I get it, man. My parents pull for the same team you pull for on Sundays and Mondays and sometimes on Saturdays, uh, and we will let that cat stay in the bag. But uh, when it comes to NFL comparison to college, I think, again, NFL getting it right as well. A lot of excitement seems like it never ended. Uh, for a lot of teams, as you even see the Final Four that are in it now here coming up uh, in the NFC and AFC uh, championship games here this weekend. What's your thoughts of the NFL, you know, overall? And, and I do want to get your opinion on the hire of the uh, Washington Redskins as they brought in uh, a, a man who may or may not be the right guy, but your thoughts on, on what they're doing over there in Washington. Yeah, well, obviously, uh, Riverboat Ron, Ron Rivera, uh, a proven guy. You know, I think he kind of got a bad rap in uh, Carolina. You know, when you lose your quarterback, um, it's just kind of hard to recover. And he always seemed to have the respect of the players and just one of the good guys in the NFL. So when you're in the situation of the Washington Redskins, I mean, <laughs> really any hire is a good hire. And you really uh, have a, a lot of room to improve. Um, you have a quarterback that's still maybe 50-50 on in terms of Dwayne Haskins. So, I think when you think about, you know, one of the guys that we saw last night, Trevor Lawrence, him being able to come out uh, after next season. If you're the Redskins, you say, all right, is this our – this is Dwayne's year. And we'll figure out whether he is our guy. If he isn't, then we need to, you know, make every effort to try and get in a position to, uh, you know, get Trevor because I believe that Trevor has that potential to be a, a franchise quarterback. So with so many guys coming out this year, you got to think that, yeah, next year there shouldn't be as many teams in the market for a quarterback, and if the Redskins need to uh, make a change, they might have that opportunity. And then from the NFL, I mean, it's, it is what it is. You know, I think the one thing that seems to – everybody talks about is just the replay and the officials and getting it wrong and things that you and I and other football fans who have never taken – the NFL officiating test, you can just see things and like, how is that not an infraction or how did he throw a whistle on, you know, on that? And you know, just some of the rules that they're trying to, which I understand, keep the league uh, safe, but it just seems like there's really no constant flow in an NFL game and it's just kind of choppy and the officials and they kind of interject themselves sometimes, I think, just a little too much. And, you know, sometimes you just have to let, let the players play it out let them decide, let them figure it out, and then go from there. Live right now with Everett German, of course, uh, the voice of many, does cover, of course, uh, the College of Charleston and the Cougars, as he uh, is the voice of the Cougars on the basketball court. Now let's transition a little bit of basketball. Now the Clemson Tigers, oh, by the way, did snap that 59-game loser streak against North Carolina. It's like I told people, I could care less if North Carolina has a good team or a bad team. We'll take a win when you take a win if you're a Clemson Tiger fan, of course. But uh, talk a little basketball with us, and I do want you to get into some Cougar conversation as well. But state of mind, getting into conference play now for, of course, Clemson, the ACC, any surprises come out of that conference as well as overall nationally and then again like I said talk a little bit about the Cougars and, and what's going on over there at the college so nationally of course the story in terms of the ACC is North Carolina and the fact that they're struggling and they've lost either four or five games in a row you know Cole Anthony 
uh, is expected to return, but it's been a tough struggle for Roy Williams and the uh, the Tar Heels. And, you know, people always say, yeah, yeah, people are hurt. Well, it's North Carolina, so I'm sure they have four and five stars, you know, coming off the bench as well. But that was a huge win for Clemson, snapping that 59-game losing streak in Chapel Hill. And maybe Clemson has turned the corner, Richie, because right now I'm looking at my uh, television at my house, and with uh, five minutes left to play in the first half, Clemson leads over third-ranked Duke, 33-28. to 28. So Clemson uh, kind of carrying that momentum uh, on from the big win on Saturday and trying to pull off an upset of the third-ranked team uh, you know, in the country. So we'll see what happens there. And, of course, with my college of Charleston Cougars, uh, suffered their first conference loss on Saturday to William and Mary. Uh, in Williamsburg, they're at Kaplan Arena, a place that, well, in seven tries, Charleston has never won. That's the only venue in the conference that uh, Charleston is winless. Grant River still doing what Grant River does. He leads the conference in scoring, averaging 22 points a game. Uh, Brevin Galloway, who's the older but smaller brother of Braden Galloway, the tight end for Clemson, who had a big catch or two last night uh, in that game. Uh, he's a sharp shooter. He's averaging 12 points a game for the Cougars. And a big game coming up on Thursday night here at Charleston at TD Arena as uh, Northeastern, who we've had many battles with. Two years ago, we came back from a 17-point deficit to uh, win the CAA championship and go to the big dance against Northeastern. And then last year, Northeastern eliminated Charleston in the semifinals, beating us by uh, three points. So, They've lost two games in a row. Both of their games have been two-point losses, so you know they're going to come in hungry, um, looking to snap that losing streak. And when we look at the CAA as a whole, there's really four teams that are like an A-level, four teams that are a B-level, and then you have two teams who um, just really don't have a chance. But those four teams in the top, it's Charleston, William & Mary, Northeastern, and Hofstra. So we play Northeastern. Thursday at 7 o'clock at TD Arena, and then on Saturday, we play Hofstra at TD Arena at 4 o'clock. Right now, the uh, voice of the College of Charleston Cougars basketball team, and that is, of course, uh, Everett German. Everett, I still got to get down there, man, and hang out with you and, and watch some, uh, some, some five-star basketball, man. You can't beat the atmosphere, uh, and uh, that arena is, is, without a doubt, is one that you got to put on your bucket list and get in there. I've seen only a few, but uh, hoping to get in here with you in the next week or so uh, to do that uh, down there on the court side. But uh, I do want to say this on behalf of myself uh, to you. I've known you a long time, and you've always been a guy that's always kind of answered my questions on what I'm doing here in Southern Sports Central. You've kind of been a, a mentor to me as well. And of course, you and I lost a, a good friend of ours and Ted Burns uh, a few weeks back. I did a nice uh, segment or two or three on there with him here. He kind of took me under his wing. He and I got to call the games at Somerville. He took and went back to the college side and did some uh, cuddle analysts with the uh, Citadel. And, of course, he would take my calls back and forth and set me up and get me ready to rock and roll. And uh, just was a guy that loved everybody and kind of uh, was like a small-town guy that did a little bit of everything over there, Kirkman Broadcasting. Of course, we also lost Coach Taft. Uh, we lost uh, Coach McKissick. Uh, very tough uh, for guys like you and me that, that knew a lot of these incredible men here in, in our community that meant so much. I just want to give you a chance to say anything. Uh, that, of course, I know that you and I have talked about off the air. Yeah, Ted, obviously just a, a great person, a, a great friend. He um, actually did my – the day before he passed away, he 
was the producer for my basketball game. Uh, I was out in California during the Wooden Legacy Tournament, and we had just beaten Providence on that Friday. And I remember telling uh, Ted that I would you know, text him on Sunday because we were still undecided about the the uh, start time for the game on Sunday because of television. And so I said, you know, I'll talk to you on Sunday. Everything will be good on Monday, and everything will be uh, good to go. And, of course, so uh, Sunday, I should say, I think I said Monday. On Sunday, um, you know, I texted and didn't get a response, which that was not like him because usually he would confirm and say, yep, sounds good. We'll be on the air 30 minutes. And uh, I just didn't think anything of it that he had, uh, you know, just didn't return the call or text. And so it happened the day before that Saturday, I had uh, rented a car to kind of do some sightseeing in California was taking the car back to the rental car place and just walking back to the hotel, which was like five minutes away. And that's when I got the, you know, the call from Bobby Harton, our good friend saying that Ted had passed away. So it's just one of those things that really, um, you know, puts everything in perspective and, you know, you just never know when your time's coming and you have to uh, live every day to the fullest because, you know, tomorrow's not promised to uh, anyone. And, you know, it just really makes you stop and think and, uh, appreciate life and appreciate the people that you have in it. And so, yeah, Ted will definitely be missed. I mean, he was kind of a, a one-man show over there at Kirkland Broadcasting, and um, it's just different to go over to the radio station and, and not see his face or, um, you know, hear his voice. So, um, you know, yeah, it was just a, not a good weekend, but let's just hope that he's in a, a better place and, you know, not suffering anymore. No doubt about it there. And I tell you, you know, and I remember this, and I've said this before, he and I got to call that uh, overtime game against Fort Dorchester in Somerville, I remember, a couple of years ago on that Friday night. And, of course, uh, they did the old Spivey special or the Philly special that some would know it as uh, that, that really kind of brought the house down. And, and, and Ted and I would always have those conversations. And, and there were many times this past year, call him and get advice from him. And he always started off with a, well, you know, it, 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 this isn't going to come out the way you're, you're it needs to be, but I mean well by it. And, and he always had that tone, and he would spend 10 minutes apologizing and then finally tell you what he was going to tell you. But, you know, I, I miss him a lot. And, and again, I, I accidentally uh, butted out him the other day, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's, that's you know. And I looked out at my phone, and it was kind of ironic because I had just had a, a thought about him talking about stuff coming up in 2020 for Summerfield. But uh, I, I want you to know that I appreciate you. you. You and I talk a lot off the air. I see you over in different high schools and different areas. But you always take the time to answer your phone for me. You always text me back. And I tell you what, man, we take things like that for granted when, when there's a lot of people out here that aren't doing things like that. But uh, keep doing what you're doing. I know you're on family time now, so I'm going to let you get out of here. But uh, I hope to see you over at the arena here soon. But uh, I look forward to getting you back in here talking basketball here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, sounds good, Richie. And for all your listeners, yeah, come on out to TD Arena on Thursday is the blackout game against Northeastern, and then on Saturday is youth day. So anybody that has a basketball team or a youth group or anything of that nature, tickets are just $5 for everybody. All you have to do is purchase the tickets in advance. You, know, you have to call Scott Yale, uh, 953-COC, 953-COC, and ask for Scott Yale, and he can give you, the uh, you know, obviously the code for the group tickets. So if you've got a youth basketball team, any youth basketball coaches, out there listening, boys or girls, you want to come to the game at 4 o'clock on Saturday, uh, that ticket price is just $5.
Oh, man, that's awesome. We're going to promote that as well here throughout the day, and we'll be on the air Saturday, so we'll put that out there as well. Hey, man, thanks again. God bless. Take care, and uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us for a few minutes. All right, Rich, you have a good night. There you go, guys. Ever German, one of the best in the business, guys, and I tell you what, you know, there's always you know, on and off the air and anywhere here in the low country. And I always appreciate him, of course, with our technical difficulties. We kept him a little bit longer, but he was a fighter, man. He stayed in here with us. Uh, Will, I'm going to bring you in. And I do want to say this again. He mentioned it this coming Saturday. It is Youth Day over at the College of Charleston over there. Uh, if you want to get information, you want to take your team over there, all you got to do is call the number 843-953-CFC. That is Youth Day. You can get in touch with Scott Yell is the young man's name or the gentleman's name over there at the college. They'll give you the code. They'll do what they need to do. But we're going to promote that here on our social media. We'll continue to, to let that out here on the air as well. Yeah, and that CFC, uh, by the way, those four numbers is uh, 2632. 2632. Yeah, so add that to the end uh, um, of that number uh, real quick. There you just go. Kind of, just kind of thought about it and how, how the text goes. We we all know how uh, um, they, they do those infomercials now or, sure. or uh, put, you know putting those those the the names to numbers and things like that which is it's always cool but uh, that's what it's there for and uh and so you can read the number back again with yeah. with the actual number with, with the actual number <laughs> so it is going to be youth day over at the college on saturday if you have a yep. youth program you can get in touch with scott yell he is the man who is going to direct you into the right area where you need to go so then you get the price it's five excuse me five dollars per athlete young athlete that is and by calling the number eight four three nine five three Two six three two again eight four three nine five three two six three two and that is of course uh, over at the College of Charleston uh, who of course uh, man these guys play some basketball they've been doing it a long time got some great coaches great players and they keep doing what they do day in and day out I remember the days of John Crest when he was there of course we've had a, a, a handful of other great coaches they've got one now on the on the staff as well and he doesn't just breed great athletes he's over there making great leaders and I think that's huge on and off the court as well. Uh, let's talk a little bit here. We'll hang out here for the rest of the show. We've got about, I don't know, 15, about 12 minutes here left of the show as we are going to kind of look at kind of the tonight's show. And it's a little different because this kind of puts a bow on college football. Tomorrow we will go 100% into the NFL conversation. It will be the AFC, the NFC conversation. Now, unless something kind of melts over until tomorrow when somebody calls, now they, they are the audible as the phone calls that come in. But this is kind of – this is it, man. I mean, this is kind of what we've all unfortunately waited to not see. It's, this is kind of like – oh, man, this is like December 26th to me. This is not a good day. If I was a small child waking up on the day after Christmas going, well, dang, I got to wait. Well, it's only about 36 weeks until football is back. So I guess that's something to look forward to. And if, right. you, and if you mark your calendars, just 35 weeks, just 34 weeks and – continue to count it down but yeah it, it is uh it is that uh, a heartbreaking time uh, of putting the uh the bow on the college football season at that that has just passed and man a lot of great storylines too because yeah. like college college football is all about that uh, and, and that's something that really and truly sets it apart from from any other sport that's out there um it, quite frankly just that these these young athletes they they come in as recruits and then they they train hard and uh, and, and they train to get to that big stage and LSU winning a national championship for, for the first time in several years, for the first time in this uh, new college football playoff format, which uh, I, I guess now and from, from years to come is not necessarily new anymore uh, because now it's become the norm and it's a, a kind of like a bracket challenge for uh, college football teams. 
and, and what makes it so difficult is that there there are so many uh, good programs that are out there. The arguments can be made, but uh, you know, lucky for lucky for the the Big Twelve champions in Oklahoma, they made it easier on the College Football Playoff Committee because man, it would have been it would have been chaos trying to uh, add is Baylor is Baylor deserving of the conversation or is it Oklahoma? And that game is what it right. came down to, and and just the, the how the selection committee and how it all played out. But you know, all in all, this was a great season, I I, I do think, and uh, it was very deserving of the the teams that deserved to be there in the end. Uh, not the not the outcome that some have hoped, but and and that's that's how it is every year. But you know, thankfully that we were able to uh, see and to be able to witness a, a quarterback in Joe Burrow. Uh, really, really capturing the hearts of, of college football fans everywhere, right. uh, including including that of mine. And I am a I'm a Clemson guy, and so right. I was naturally rooting against him. But it was, you know, how could you not right. uh, root against him? And and if it wasn't if it wasn't rooting for the LSU team, it was rooting for him, right? Because just how special of a story that uh, he has uh, really cultivated. Uh, for himself and the, the name that he's made for himself and where, where he's going to go uh, in the NFL uh, and, and that he's going to play at the next level because a lot of teams want him. A lot of teams would, uh, would absolutely love to have a talent like Joe Burrow on the field at all times. And unfortunately, there's only one of him and there's only one pick that, that's going to that's gonna choose him. He's the unanimous number one overall pick going to the Cincinnati Bengals, we are presuming. Right. We'll, have, we'll have to see about that in April. Yeah, because we saw a guy named Eli Manning. We thought he was heading somewhere too, but uh, you know things happen, and and we'll see. What how year was that? Two thousand and four. Something been like a that. It's been a little bit. I don't want to give you a date because I wouldn't know. But here, you, yeah. you think back to that Baylor Oklahoma game. Who's to say that Baylor beats Oklahoma and all of a sudden somehow Florida jumps in there? Because Florida, you know, they only had two losses on the season. They were really, really good as well. So I get it. Everybody says, well, they were the Big Twelve champion. That doesn't mean anything. I mean, you saw the Big Twelve. Didn't have a good bowl presence there. They didn't do the things they wanted to do. Uh, they were blown out in that big game against LSU and Oklahoma. Now, the one thing I will tell you this, in the early, early uh, releasing of the top five, I'm going to give it to you because 2020 has already been kind of conversated and, and talked about. And guess what? Clemson Tigers already number one team in in the new preseason top 20 poll, 2020 poll here at, at number one. Of course, they finished 14-1. and one. Number two, Alabama is already slated. And this is by USA Today 2020 poll coming out at 11 and 2 Ohio State going to start at number 3 number 4 LSU at 15 and 0 and Oklahoma how you put them at number 5 I don't know I'm going to give you a 6 I'm going to give you five more Oregon at number 6 Penn State number 7 8 Florida 9 Notre Dame why and 10 Iowa and Notre Dame always is in there I'm and surprised I, just, I get it I'm surprised that Florida is only are eight than that yeah yeah I would figure that they would be at least six or something because it just the, the – Or even the Georgia. Sheer, Georgia's sitting Georgia, outside the top ten. And Georgia's sitting out of the top ten. Man. Yeah, they're number crazy. 11. Yeah. yeah. No, the thing, the thing with um, the thing with Georgia – or no, the thing with Florida. I'll start on Florida real quick. Mm-hmm. The, the thing about Florida is, is the fact that uh, just uh, the only two losses that they had were against the, the SEC East and West champions right. uh, in, in the division uh, within the conference. And you're you're telling them to run it back because they have a lot of talent. They 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 did not graduate a lot of uh, a lot of those kids, a lot of those athletes. Yeah. And so it, it's basically kind of what um kind of what Clemson's going to do next year is run it back. Yeah. A- and they have that talent. And, and if they're able to go another ten and two, right. um, I would like to see them go eleven and one. 
and, and possibly uh, win the SEC East because of the and it's and it's going to be very tough in the SEC East because uh, uh, Tennessee is coming back. Uh, they're talking about the the strength of, of South Carolina and the hopes that they have. Uh, Georgia's. I want to say they're always going to be there. They're always going to be there, but I feel like they're going to take a step back just because of uh, the talent that's that's leaving them. They're going to they're going to be in the picture. Right. I I just can't see them being as high up as they have been in in recent years, the the past two or three years, uh, being in a a national championship conversation. But Florida, I can definitely see. What about Auburn on the West though? Auburn a team. That, that's that's going to be tough again because right. uh, because you know Alabama again what they're ranked second or third yeah uh, in in that preliminaries they're right. they're going to have uh, they're they're going to have their guy uh, I think is uh, Mac Jones but they have they have some work to do and, and I think you know deservingly so uh, because they're not going to have a guy like Tua that they're right. they're going to have his well, brother they have a Tua they have a, they, no they have a Tiger Valoa yeah it's his brother yeah um, and then LSU. A stellar season that they had, sure. but you know that's going to be a lot of changes that that's going to happen. Um, you know, of course, with uh, Joe Brady leaving to to go back to the NFL, which you know it's kind of disappointing to me. I, I, I kind of hate to see that. It's only a, a one and done type deal uh, with him. Well, but, you said but it, he, that was his deal. That was where he wanted to be. Yeah, and that was his that was his offense and the way that he was able to change it. And they're they're leaving some there. There are some coaches there at LSU, right. especially Coach O, and and being able to uh, continue the the dynasty. He said it himself that that this is the beginning of a dynasty for LSU. I can believe it, but I it's kind of like the it's kind of like the Clemson thing. I'll believe it when I see it because Clemson has made it to the college football uh, playoff semifinal uh, every year except one that it's been implemented. Sure, and and he, and they've they've consistently been there and they've been. They've been consistent. I I can only I can count on both of my hands how many losses that they've had in, in the past five or six years, and uh, for, I'm talking about for Clemson um, in particular. Right? Is it like? But it's it's single digit. It's four or five. Still. They've only got like four or five losses in like the last four or five years. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's so hardly they, they lost. They lost to LSU this year. Last right. year they didn't lose at all. Right. Uh, the year before that they lost to Alabama. Right. Um. And and then they they lost in that in that semifinal game against Alabama. Before that I think they lost to Pitt. Right. And they ended up winning the national championship. And before that, they lost to Syracuse. Right. And and those are the only like like in counting that's on like one four or five hand, that's losses. four or five losses. Yeah, it was very impressive numbers I saw. Yeah, and and so you know putting all of that into perspective, you know, the, talking about these few losses, they don't really define a dynasty. They don't really define um the, or tarnish a record or anything like that. This record-setting run that Clemson has been on and and as a matter of fact like right. you can you can say that it's only just getting started i can say that it's still rolling as far as as far as the eye can see so that clemson is the number one um yeah. you know way too early rankings nonetheless but you know because they they've unanimously unanimously excuse go. me put together the number one overall uh, uh recruiting class for 2020 up and coming and a lot of their guys like i said they're going to be running it back next year here's the thing Clemson has never struggled with recruiting. Not at all. Ever. Nope. I mean, ever. Ever, ever, ever. They've, rec- they, they've struggled with coaching to coach these kids. That's all been taken care of. They got the one guy, and I say this jokingly, but I'm real. If my grandmother was living today and getting ready to jump off the Cooper River Bridge back in the day or, or the Ravenel Bridge, I'm calling Dabo Sweeney to get her off the edge. That dude could talk anybody out of anything, period. That's just how good this guy is. He's a great motivator, a great speaker. He's a God-fearing man. He is the guy that you want your kid around. I'm a Gamecock, but I'd send my kid to play football for that guy. It's just that easy. I know where his heart's at. I know where his mind's at. 
I love the theory. He said, iron sharpens iron, and when they rub together, sparks fly. That's the conversation that we talk about. Discipline your athlete. Discipline your kid. Don't worry about what's going to come out of it because it's the result at the end that you're going to appreciate the most. You're talking about a culture, a, yeah. a positive winning culture that's in Clemson, and, and it's tough love. Yeah. Uh, you, you talk about the dynamic. I, I guess you can call it like a good cop, bad cop. In this case, it's good coach, bad coach. Right. But talking about how Dabo and what he's, like, what he's been able to do, he, his, his is a tough love. And, uh, and you know, he, he, he loves you at the end of the day, but uh, by God, you're going to go out there and give the best 60 minutes of football that you can possibly play and putting that all together. And, and then leave it to the coordinators to be hard on you. Leave it right. to leave it to the position coaches to be hard on you if you're a player. That, that's the thing. He's got guys that do what he does, but here's the key. And he says this: the key to coaching is love. It's not knowledge. It's not discipline. It's if you love them, you can discipline them. If you love them, you can yell at them later. That to me is what every coach needs to understand. There's nothing wrong with yelling at them. Oh, you can't yell at them. You'll shut them down. Well, they need to get out. If they're going to threaten you with quitting your program, then they're not right for your program. Handle it. I would rather lose with a bunch of guys with heart than lose with a, or than win with a lot of guys with arrogance. And that's just the way it works. And I know that sounds kind of weird and awkward, but, you know, I am a huge Dabo guy. I like what he brings to the table. I think he has a lot of really great things, and that's why he's taking kids out of the state of Louisiana on the defense. That's why he's going to California, going to Texas, going to Florida. That's how he got a Travis Etienne from Louisiana. Right, right there, but that's too. why he got a defensive guy, you know, this this past year in, in 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 the early signing day, right? He does do what he needs to do to win the games he needs to win. He's very humble. You heard Matt Sims compliment him earlier, uh, which I appreciate. Matt Sims having boots on the ground right there in the national championship game, representing Southern Sports Central. That was awesome as well. And what he was able to provide throughout the entire night. Of course, uh, uh, our, our good friend who came in here, Mr. Hughes, joined us earlier, and then of course the voice of the College of Charleston Cougars, Ed German, joined us as well. This will do it for today's show, and we're going to have to table anything from here, but I will leave you with this. Baylor, by the way, number 22 in the country today. That's a huge drop from almost making the top four. So oh, lose a coach, lose this, lose that. So I guess they lost a little bit of uh, cred. I don't know. We'll see. But one thing we yeah. will do is do this again tomorrow from 6 to 8. It'll be a great show tomorrow as we're going to bring you NFL action. And, of course, uh, without you, Will, I-, I couldn't do it, brother, because you push buttons, answer phones, and get things together. And Today was a great day. So on behalf of Southern Sports Central, brother, thanks for what you do. Congratulations to the LSU Tigers. Congratulations to the Clemson Tigers. 50, you know, you, you look at the wins that you've had, the things you've done, 742 days of, of winning, not losing, but winning. And, of course, uh, that equaled out 29 in a row. For us, to you, God bless. Take care. We'll see you tomorrow night, 6 o'clock sharp. We'll be safe. We'll see you tomorrow, guys. Yes, sir. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.